If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, what up, y'all? It's your girl, Vivica Fox, and welcome to an all new Hustling with Vivica A. Fox. We are going bigger and bolder. I'm your go to girl for people, ideas, knowledge, inspiration, faith, love, truth, success, and of course, F-U-N, fun. Your hustle's going to get an upgrade with the most surprising, exciting, and fabulous guests from all walks of life. You're in good hands, darlings. Don't forget to subscribe and download to Hustling with Vivica A. Fox. All right, y'all. My guest today has been hustling since she was 14 years old, okay? She's an actress, model, and activist. Haley Hasselhoff, daughter of the Hoff. Y'all know who I'm talking about. David Hasselhoff and the beautiful Pamela Bach is known for being one of the world's leading curve models. Haley has made an impact within the fashion industry, committing to promoting and celebrating inclusivity in the industry for all genders, races, shapes, and sizes. Now, most recently, she graced the cover of Playboy Germany, making history as the first curve model to do so in a European edition of Playboy. She recently launched her podcast, Redefine You, a conversation for well-being, and she is going to tell us all about it and so much more. Welcome to Hustling with Vivica Fox, Haley. How you doing, girlfriend? Hello. I love your energy in this podcast. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much. Well, first of all, I have to start off by saying welcome to the Stage 29 podcast family. Uh, You have your own podcast now. Tell us all about it. Thank you. Well, I'm so excited to be a part of the Stage 29 podcast fam, and especially in good company with you. Um, My podcast is called Redefine You, a conversation for well-being. We speak to different people in the industry around their ownership of self and their mental well-being journey. We also tap into different wellness practitioners and techniques and being able to kind of break down the well-being stigma so that it really encourages you to build your own personalized toolbox. And as you probably know as well, as artists, we deal with the fear of the unknown every single day, uh, yes. the anxiousness that comes professionally, but we still have to show up, right? Our call time doesn't change. So I was kind of curious about being able to dive into my friend's toolboxes and figure out what really gets them going so they can struggle and still succeed. So we've had some amazing guests and mm. I just feel so blessed that we like get to, to have these conversations. Like who well, has been some of your guests? We've had Dr. Dominic Sportelli, who talks about shame and the importance Mm. of being able to live without judgment. We've had Sarah Haynes come on and be such an amazing leader, talking about dealing with postpartum depression while still being Mm. on Strahan and Sarah and The View. We've got Kevin McHale, who's a great friend of mine, who breaks down just even his audition process of playing Artie Abrams on Glee. Um, you know, we've had such amazing people who I think after you listen to every conversation, 
you feel inspired, you feel empowered, and you really take a look at who you are. I feel like when somebody shows their vulnerability in such a way, it starts to encourage you to want to look within. And that's the whole point of the podcast is to hopefully let you know you have somebody who's cheering you on from the sidelines and letting you know that it's okay to have challenges. And these people who you may have look at them as aspirational in their professional careers. They also have a lot of personal self-growth achievements. And Mm -hmm. that's what I want to talk about is their personal self-growth achievements that have brought them to their triumphs, although they may have been challenged along the way. How did a podcast, I mean, you've been a curb model, you over, you know, gracing the pages of Playboy, giving them sexy, okay? (laughs) How did a podcast fall into your lap? Well, like I said, it was really, it was the beginning of lockdown for me. Mm. I started as an Insta Live series. I went from 10 flights a month, which I'm sure you're familiar of, to then stand still. And I was like, oh. what can I do yeah. to help give my voice a purpose? Mm. And although I've been a body activist for so many years, I've never really publicly spoken about my mental health journey or, you know, dealing with anxiety or depression. Mm -hmm. But I was, I started to think of what I said before, the fear of the unknown. And I said, Mm. you know, as artists, we've dealt with the fear of the unknown before. And maybe we can give that knowledge back to somebody who's been furloughed or lost their job for the first time, or Mm -hmm. maybe just dealing with the pressures of what the world is presenting itself to. So I was like, what has been in their toolbox? What helps them Mm. get up and still find the light. Um, so we started it as an Insta Live series. 40 episodes later, I was like, it needs wow. a bigger home and somewhere else where we can continue these wonderful conversations and still bring light to people's stories of, of struggle to triumph. So you have been, like I said, you're my kind of girl. You know what I mean? You've been at this game and hustling since you were 14 years old. So now we're going to go back. We found out how, you know, during COVID that you made it through the pandemic by just starting talking Insta Live. And now you've got your own podcast series, which congratulations. But let's go back. Let me take you all the way back at 14. (laughs) Um, Your hustling began when, you know, things weren't easy. How did mm. you get into modeling? Because, you know, it's hard when you're kind of like the child of such a big star as David Hasselhoff. How did you find your own identity? Oh, God, I think I I, I really made it a priority. I think at a very young age to always find mm. my own identity. I, I always say the most beautiful thing you can be is being unique. And I look back in my childhood years and I was like, girl, you were unique. You celebrated <laughs> you. You didn't tell anybody that they could tell you who you were. <laughs> in what ways? Well, just in so, I mean, in so many, not only just in fashion, but just the way that I, you know, presented myself at school to the way that I just didn't let other people negatively affect me in a mm. public point of view. Maybe it did in a personal one behind closed doors, but in a public one. Um, I was speaking to my mom about this the other day because I was just a very vivacious child. I know um, that's right. Very vivacious. No matter if I was curve or not, I was vivacious and Fashion was sort of my way of always feeling good in my skin. But backing it up a second, I always knew I wanted to be an actor. Obviously, Mm. I was probably influenced by dad and growing up on sets. And I did a couple acting bits when I was very young. And then I had one bad audition when I was like six. And they had had me cuss. And I walked out of the audition. I was like, dad, mom, they made me say, can I say it? Yes. Dad, mom, they made me say fuck. And I was like, I was like, over and over and over again. And my parents like, okay, maybe this isn't for you right now. 
So I just kind of looked at it as my secret. I had an acting coach, mm. was, which was my therapy, was my way of letting out my emotions. Mm. And I did everything that a normal person would do in or out of the industry. I found my own agent. I auditioned for the agency. I you know, really worked hard at making sure that this is what I wanted to do on my own merit. Modeling was something that sort of came left field. My dad's publicist at 14, she always knew I was into acting classes and that was my way of expressing my emotions, which was a beautiful release. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she said to us, you know, have you ever thought about being a curve model? Ford Models has a curve department. You know, maybe this is something you want to explore. And I got signed with Ford and I became the spokesperson for Torrid, which is a big um, retailer over here in America. But what it taught me at such a young age was I was doing these model searches around America where I was the uh-huh. model where all these other girls were coming to audition and trying to, you know, win the competition to be a part of the campaign or so forth. And it was the first time where I was like, oh my God, there's so many other girls out there that identify with me, identify mm. with my story. And there was one story that I will never forget that I would love to say, which was, you know, my mom is beautiful, right? This yes. rock star of a woman, mm-hmm. but she's always been smaller than me. And when I grew up, I was yes. always bigger than my mom. And I didn't I know. know. I That's didn't what know. I wanted to say that, thank God you had a mother who let you embrace that you weren't the typical tiny little blonde California swimsuit type of babe that she was like, no, you're still beautiful and you're curvy Mm -hmm. and we're going to embrace those curves and, and, and let you inspire other ladies. Where do you think that came from with your mom? I think that they just, well, my mom's from Oklahoma um, mm. you know, she's Midwest. She's, she, I'm Midwest too. She she's an Okie. And so she, you know, I think her upbringing was a little bit different than growing up in LA. Yeah. But I do think that, you know, and but my mom and my dad have always been super supportive. They've yes. just, you know, and they they saw at a very young age that what I needed was to be creative. Mm. Um, my mom and me talked about this the other day because I mean, I just, you know, she fought in school for me to get into art class at a very young age when I probably shouldn't. She goes, when you were like, when she was, when you were like eight years old, you told me that you were going to be in the high school play. And I was like, Haley, if you want to be in the high school play, I don't think it's impossible. And and she's like, you said to me, I'm going to be in the high school play. Did I? Yes. I played the daughter on Fiddler on the Roof. I made that happen. I was like that 88 year old with like a mission and a plan. Um, So, you know, they were always very supportive in knowing that my way of expressing myself and my way of feeling validated, I think even at a very young age was through the arts, which Mm. is a beautiful thing and a lesson for everyone of why the arts are so important in school. Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So listen, on your podcast, you talk about anxiety and journey to self, which I love. Because can I tell you, me being a woman in my 50s, I honestly recently in the last three to five years learned to be comfortable in the skin that I am in and accept Vivica 
for Vivica, that I don't need to look like everyone else, that I can do me and be successful at doing that. When did you realize that, you know, that that finding yourself and that journey was something that you needed to address? I'd say at a pretty young age. Really? Well, yeah. Well, you have to imagine I was 14 years old in a underground community of women to look up to that the media wasn't talking about. Mm -hmm. So there was a sense of a duty back in the day where if you were a curve model, you also became a body activist, whether you wanted to be or not. You were somebody who started to really have to speak up for yourself through the brands that you were working with. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my first job as an actor was, I mean, as a lead actor on my own series was on huge for ABC family. Mm -hmm. And my character, Amber, she dealt with body dysmorphia and I'm talking about Mm -hmm. professional achievements right now, but because I was so young and those were the things that were surrounding me at a period where I think you really grasp who you are. How old were you? I was 17. So 14, 17, at those monumental times in your life, when you start to grasp things that are around you, it started to to challenge me to even look within and start to find who Haley is. What's her voice? What does she mean to her? What does her body mean to her outside of Mm. what everybody's telling me to navigate? So I think I found this sense of speaking up for myself at a very young age, but Mm -hmm. I think it's an ever, ever evolving journey. You're never gonna, you know, that's one of the beautiful things that we talk about on the podcast, you know, ever so often people think, oh, you found your ownership to self. Well, that ownership to yourself is going to be the same every day. Well, no, it's going to evolve. It's going to grow. I mean, even this past year is a great example for just the evolution of self-growth. We all were hit with different things of the fear Mm -hmm. of this unknown world and had to deal with it. And that there's beauty in that growth as well in the ownership in yourself. How did you find your way through COVID? How did I find, well, the, the Insta Live series was a great, great way. The podcast was a great way for me. I actually spent half of COVID in here in LA, the other half in the UK. Um, Mm. We shot Playboy during lockdown as well. So there was a lot of, you know, differences that happened. I was very blessed to turn my working lifestyle into working at home, which mm-hmm. I know that you probably were as well. Yes. Um, but I would say that my biggest saving grace was actually being able to vocalize about my mental health because it was being able to actually speak openly about what I was struggling with internally really helped me during this time as well. So the Playboy, the European Playboy spread came during COVID? Yeah, it came during COVID. We shot it in November in Paris during lockdown. Oh, that sounds so sexy. (laughs) It does. Shot it in Paris. Tell us about it. Can you? Can you share a little bit about it? Well, we shot it in Paris during Uh lockdown, full-blown lockdown. They had, you know, you had to be in a mile radius from wherever you were, even if you were working there. So Mm. it was a very different situation, but it was a beautiful one because I think not only was everybody on set so excited to be able to (laughs) create again, Uh we also knew that there was this bigger movement behind this cover, that this cover was meaning that women of all different shapes and sizes can finally be able to feel seen, heard, wanted, and valued Mm -hmm. um, with a magazine, of course, that I think 
really kind of has this conversation towards it of, of what beauty is. And yes. so it was a beautiful thing to do, especially during lockdown when we're all challenged with our self-image, yes. our self-worth. And it challenged my own radical acceptance. <laughs> I mean, I had no time to prepare for this shoot. I mean, not even like the little things of like the waxings or, you know what I mean? Just like the small things that you would think about that a girl needs done. I'm not talking about anything else because I love my body. But I'm just saying like, you know, the little, the little things you want to do before, before you go, before you, so, before you go on a set like so, this. So does that mean that it's European when you, when you say that with the waxing and the set and the third? No, God, no. no. I mean, I'm just saying no, because no, that means that it was like, oh, because, you know, in America, if you got a little bit of hair, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, my God, she's got underarm hair. You know what I mean? No, no, no. I mean, yeah. No, I mean, we definitely, okay. yeah, we took care of it. But I did. But and, and it was tasteful. Why I didn't show any of those bits or areas. It was all very tasteful, very no. artful. Yeah. No, no. Listen, can I tell you, I used to have a fantasy back in the day. To want to pose for Playboy. I mean, I consider Girl, that you still can. a huge, huge compliment. But listen, I met with them. I'm telling you, I went to dinner with the girl at Mr. Child's in Beverly Hills. I was planning the whole thing. And then I got this gig and I had this morality clause and it was like, I couldn't do it. I mean, it was kind of, it would have been, I don't know, in today's standard, it might've been kind of like, oh, good for the show or whatever. But I think every girl, like kind of growing up like Playboy magazine, it's like a secret fantasy that you're like, ooh, I can imagine the pose and the lights and the lingerie, you know what I mean? Because Playboy out of all, if you're going to do new, because child, these children nowadays, they're giving away everything free on Instagram, if you're asking me. I mean, they do. I'm like, baby, you know, back in the day, y'all could have been doing Playboy and got a spread and, you know, it branched into something else but they're just today's society to me they give away so much for free on instagram so maybe they're doing it for only fans i don't know but anyway we're gonna move forward um but so how did the family feel when they found out that you were going to do playboy well here's the thing backing it up a second you know i have, i would have never done a tastefully nude shoot if it wasn't with somebody like ellen von unworth who shoots mm. from such a beautiful, sensual, respectful eye and also doing it with Playboy. You know, Playboy were so respectful when they approached yes. me. They yeah. wanted to make sure that it was in a city that I felt comfortable in and I felt mm. confident in. They also were so respectful on set. I mean, even when I just had a lingerie piece on, they were like hiding me going out to set. I was like, guys, I'm just in lingerie. Like, I'm happy. Like, you know, but it's just, it's there's that thing of they were so respectful. They were so kind. And I these, these photos, that are artful they are very very artful they're beautiful beautiful imagery that i'm actually very happy i mean hey who can look back during a global pandemic and be like that is my body girl i celebrated myself in whatever way felt authentic to me in that moment and hopefully what it did and what i do know it did is it helped other women start to identify that they're worthy right now in the body that they have absolutely and going back to your question, mom and dad were super supportive about the choices Good. I made. Good. You know, I'm, I'm 28 years old. So these yes. are choices I make. And I also think they know that they, they've been with me from the start of my career since I was 14. They were the ones driving me to my auditions, you know, I so love it. They've seen the evolution of where this has taken us and how beautiful and uh, this is for women just moving forward, I think. Because as a matter of fact, you made history as the first curve model on the cover of Playboy Germany. When you got that title and they told you that, how did that make you feel? I mean, 
honored, obviously, honored and humbled. I don't think the Playboy was ever something that was in my view, Mm -hmm. but I don't think, I think it's just something in which I'm somebody who just kind of goes with the present view, but I'm so happy that when it was presented to me in this manner during this time, I felt honored. I felt honored to be able to start to shake up things in which needed to be shaked up a long time ago to Mm -hmm. have women see themselves represented that you can be voluptuous and it doesn't have to be sexified. Like I think, Mm -hmm. or subjectified. I think a lot of the times what we forget is like in Vogue magazine, you see, you know, a size two girl come out with her boots out and it's a beautiful artful shot but because right. I'm somebody who's got you know a double g it has to be immediately subjectified <laughs> it's like no honey it can actually also be very artful and very beautiful so it is um yeah but can was, i tell you like me um when i i mean i've been doing this for a very long time and i when i first started i mean used to see the women on TV and everybody looked like they were starving themselves. I'll be very honest with you. I mean, I would go for a fitting or something like that. And there was like literally sometimes anxiety, like, am I going to fit in the sample sites? Oh my God. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And now today to see commercials where, you know, the women are normal looking that it's okay to have a little bit of a rollover or a curve, you know, everyone doesn't have to be a size two. As you said, I'm so happy to see our world evolve. Like back in the day, you would I've never seen a commercial with a girl with freckles. Mm, mm, Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah, or now for the yeah. sisters, you know, the natural hair and yeah, everything. So yeah. I'm so glad to see our world evolving. So now I want to move a little bit forward. Let's talk about your podcast. Where did you get the title? Tell us about the title of your podcast. Well, Redefine You actually started from a self-help book I wrote myself. Mm, oh, you're an ago. author. Yes. Well, no, I'm not an not author yet. yet. No, <laughs> no, no. I just, uh, it, it was a book that I was writing, I would say, for myself. Mm-hmm. And it was something in which there was a period of my life where I was working through a lot of my inner child. A lot mm-hmm. of my pasts brought me to my present. And so when... Like I said, when I started the Ants Live series, it was the first thing that came to mind because it's always been something that's been dear to my heart. Mm. And Redefine You, a conversation for well-being was more so of saying it's a conversation for well-being because well-being needs to be at the forefront of our lives just as much as our work schedules. So how do we have a conversation around what wellness is and how we make that a priority in our everyday life? And it's also about self-acceptance as well, too, right? Tell me about that. Yeah. I mean, self-acceptance is something we talk a lot about on the podcast. And especially in the first episode, when we speak to Dr. Dominic Sportelli, we break down, you know, what are the three things you can do to live in a state of self-acceptance? And that's living without judgment, Mm -hmm. tending to your emotional triggers and building a personalized toolbox. Mm. So tending to your emotional triggers is basically identifying your emotional triggers so that when they arise, you know what you need in that moment to serve you to hopefully be able to walk alongside in a lot of, instead of allowing it to control you, building your own personalized toolbox is making sure that you have a big toolbox. So it's not just breath work, a skincare routine, go into the spa, whatever it may be. It's having a ton of different things that you know are going to be there for you when you need it before it becomes a crisis. Emotional triggers, would that also help you with dealing with relationships? Oh, yeah. I think that triggers come up a lot in relationships. Yeah, I think- because I'm going to share something with you right now. Yeah. I just had like an epiphany. Mm. Um, 
you know, I'm trying to learn in life to have healthy relationships, Mm. either romantically and also with my girlfriends. And I recently have just had um, both some two people that I care really a lot about, but that we just continuously bump heads. Mm. And I have to figure out, do we bump heads because we're not meant to be together or because I'm not meant or because I deserve better? And and I feel that where I'm at now that I push them away immediately if they do something that pisses me off because I'm, I'm tired of arguing with people about me. Right. If you don't get how to treat me the same way that I respect and treat you, I don't need you in my life. And so I had to figure out, but I get so angry. Do you know what I mean? I feel so like emotionally triggered that it almost literally gives me a headache and it Mm. hurts me to my core. And I've tried to explain to them, I will not allow you to treat me like crap. Mm. I will not allow you to treat me how I don't treat you. That loyalty is a beautiful word. Mm. And And reciprocation is also a beautiful word. And so I've been trying to figure out lately, am I being selfish? Or is this person just, it's okay to say, you know what? I wish you well, the hell over there. We don't have. What I hear is, you know, the sense of you feeling misunderstood and not validated. And I think that when somebody feels misunderstood by somebody that you respect and you would hope in turn would respect you. Mm-hmm. You want to fight that a bit because you feel like you should know me by now. You should know that what you're saying is wrong. And I don't feel the need to have to come in and explain it for you because Again. that, yeah, that wastes my energy. That wastes my time instead of you just saying, I accept you for who you are and maybe accept the differences in the relationship that you guys have at hand. But I mean, I think for me too, it's like, I'm really good at making myself clear. Sometimes I'm really bad. Like when I get pissed off, my anger's on 100. And Mm. I've tried to get better at saying, you didn't realize that you hurt my feelings? That if I've got to explain to you how to treat me, then why am I dealing with you? I just think relationships for me, you know, like a person should know, I'm not going to do that because I know that's going to piss her off. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. I think about them. Like, I don't want to do certain things because out of my loyalty and respect for them. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like I had a friend recently that like, she literally threw something in my face that I just kind of went, you didn't think about me at all. Or had the thing that happened with the guy that I just kind of went, do you think that I'm just here at your disposal for you to just like, you know, Tell me, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to have fun, this, that, and the third. And then you disappoint me. So I just immediately pushed them out. Well, I think that another thing is, is maybe there's a root of the cause in which there was a point in your life where somebody did do this to you in such an intense way that has made it so if somebody does it in a smaller form, it becomes a trigger for you and immediately makes you go, I'm not going to run into what I ran into before. So I'm going to stop it here and now and back out before it becomes a bigger issue or hurts me in the way that I had a really long time and having to get over that. So maybe it's identifying the relationships you've had in the past that possibly may be bringing back and forth 
through a word or situation or the way that they are coming about something in the relationship now. And sometimes it's just explaining it to them, I think. Even, you know, being as honest and open and saying, you know what, I've had this done to me over and over again, maybe not in our relationship. And maybe this is the first time it's happened now, but Mm -hmm. I respect you enough to come to you and say that I want you to validate me just as much as I would validate you. And I'm not feeling that respect. So it's making me not want to be in this relationship anymore. And where do we go from here? And where do we go from here? But why do you think for women, it's so hard for us to literally speak up and say just that? Uh, Well, I think it's a lot of our surroundings is a lot of what society tells women is right or wrong or how they can be perceived. I think that's the biggest issue is how you're going to be perceived. So Mm. when we start to, I think, peel away the layer of how others perceive us and how we perceive ourselves, I think that's when we can find that groundedness and the power of speaking up for ourselves, because then we don't care how the other person perceives us, because we know that in that instant, if it's coming from love, if it's coming from respect, if it's coming from knowledge, it's coming from a good place and that you sometimes need to speak up to serve yourself in a moment rather than waiting for somebody else to serve that for you. All right. Because it gives me like anxiety. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and I, I feel like I'm, I've definitely been on a journey to become a better person. You speak about anxiety and journey to self. When was that something that you realized you needed to address on your podcast show? I'd say I, I I learned at a very young age that I needed to address anxiety. I didn't know or have the right vocabulary like I do now, mm. where I'm able to identify what that anxiety was or where it came from. One thing I will always applaud myself for is being very self-aware, though. And I think really? that comes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that the self-awareness in me, I think, comes from. The, the trauma that I had as a young girl to also getting into an industry at a very young age on my own merit to then traveling for 10 years on my own in, a, in young years where I had to sort of find my footing and be able to protect Haley. And so that self-awareness really came from all of that. When it comes to anxiety, I think I didn't even realize, you know, I was doing things a lot earlier than I suspected. I, you know, I, I was always very drawn to breath work. I've been always drawn to meditation and sound baths mm. and crystals. And these were things along the way that I always had in my trailer, always had before I went on to a live show and found these little nicks and knacks where I was able to put an energy into something that could sort of walk alongside with me. Like crystals were a huge thing for me when it came to being able to champion my anxiety nights before I would have a shoot, I would always meditate with a crystal, put the energy or the aspiration into it, and then bring the crystal with me on set. And it sort of felt like, all right, you've got this because you put your intention already into something that's here with you today to remind you of the comfort and the safety that you're looking for. Um, What kind of crystals? uh, Amethyst crystals. (gasps) Oh my God, my favorite. Clear quartz crystals. I mean- I would say I've got, I mean, I'm like looking around me right now. I'm like, I know mm-hmm. I have a crystal near me somewhere right now. <laughs> I have, I have crystals yes. around me now. I'm like, yes. I have crystals over there. I mean, they're everywhere. You, you look, you look, you find. Okay. So um, the crystals, I mean, like, did, is that something that your mom passed on to you? Like who introduced you to that world? 
To be honest with you, it's just something that I introduced to myself. And it was so funny because we had an acupuncturist when we were very young come to the house and she used to see all the crystals. And I had one, I had like a couple of years as a teenager where I had like my bed on the floor, no doors. Like I wanted it super feng shui. I had like red string going around to give me the energy. And I just was in this period of my life where it just sort of found me. Mm. And my acupuncturist came in once and she's like, do you know that with these crystals even mean, do you know, are you familiar? And at that point in my life, I was like, no, I just like the crystals. And then, (laughs) you know, just as time got on, I was like, wow, I actually understand that I was just drawn to them as a young girl. And I'm Mm. so glad that I have been because there is such a beauty. There's just a beauty in finding anything that you feel connected to. It doesn't have to be Mm. a crystal. It can be anything. And for me, it just has been that for a very long time. And it's wonderful to find something that is sacred to you and to what you believe in and to what you feel like you need in that moment. And those crystals have always sort of been that way. I mean, you're talking about amethyst. You, do you use amethyst as well? Yes, I do. In my house. I mean, like it, it, it dates back for me, like back in the day, like purple and amethyst just like I was always drawn to it and even yeah. when I see it when I'm out I'm always just like it's just so pretty I yeah such <laughs> peace there it's like my favorite you yeah. know what I mean and then also for me water mm. like I can't wait I'm about to go celebrate my birthday I cannot wait to get in the water and float and look up at the sky and thank God yeah. for another year of yeah. life. Like I find peace there. And then me and you have something in common. We love yeah. going to the Beverly Hot Springs and you ah. know at the Beverly Hot Springs, honey, you go float in that water. I call it my fountain of youth. Like literally yeah. every time I dip in that water, I feel like it's holy water for me. Does like, it bring I just, you back to something in your life? Right, by I, it, instance, it, it just brings Are you a peace. water sign? I'm a Leo. I'm a lion. I love the water and I love the sun. And I I love, I don't know where water, I don't know if I got the water. My mother's a Pisces. So Mm. I don't know if I got that water and that strength from her. And the fire sign is just something that's naturally in me. I love to sit and shine. I love being on stage. I love performing. So I think the water may come, I mean, the, 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 the strength may come from my mom, you know? So I, I, I don't know. I've been, like I said, I've been going through this whole like self-discovery in, in the yeah. last couple of years and being okay, being by myself. Mm. And, and I used to be such a social butterfly and feel mm. like I had to make everybody happy. And yeah. lately I've just been like, you know what, let's make you happy, Vivica. What did you find then during covid for me, COVID, yeah. one beautiful thing for COVID was me that I was busier than ever, but it helped me to spend more time by myself Yeah, to be okay. Say. You know, I moved up to a new house and my house is like, I watched the sunrise. It's beautiful. It's peaceful. Mainly for me, what I found during COVID was peace and mm. inner peace. And that really, really made me like, whew, and I don't put up with no BS from nobody. If somebody isn't treating me a way that I think, feel like I deserve, I just really say, I'm okay. Goodbye. I, but I wish them well, where I used to be like, you know, screw them. Now I'm like, no, I wish you well, just the hell away from me. Mm. And I'm okay with that. So I want to move on. I don't want to talk about me too much. I got to talk no, about no, you. No, no, please. Yes, I know. I know. But this is about you because you've had some amazing guests on your show. Tell us about some of your Tell me about your top two favorite ones, your favorite guests, and what you learned from your top two favorite guests. 
Well, we have such a, a great group of people who have come on. And I, I first off just want to say everybody who's come on has shown so much strength and vulnerability mm-hmm. and has selflessly come on to share their personal self-growth and achievements within self. And not a lot of times do you hear that from people in the industry. And I think that was one of the biggest things as to why I wanted to dive into it. You know, I was born into this industry, but then obviously started working on my own merit at a very young age. But throughout this entire experience for my own self, you know, what we've always been told is don't talk about, you know, your mental health struggles. Don't talk about that you struggle. You know, you want to look perfectionism is all the thing. You want to be this. You want to be that. You act this way. You know, you might be looked a certain this way and you might not book Mm -hmm. that job. And so Mm -hmm. it was sort of this thing of let's maybe put my trust into my friends for a second. Let's talk openly about how we can get through this together and hopefully help another other person see that we struggle too and yeah. really learn that it's okay to not be okay and that you're never actually alone. Mm. One of the episodes that we speak to is a stylist friend of mine, Audrey Brienne, who selflessly and so strongly came onto the podcast. She ended up talking about the time that she did end up calling the suicide prevention helpline, what that looked like for her how important it is to actually call the suicide help prevention helpline if you are in a crisis Mm. and, you know, the steps that she took afterwards. I think a lot of the times you hear people say, you know, text home to 741741 if you're looking to find a crisis counselor. And it's something that we say, right? But you also still, there still is a stigma around just that. You're fearful Mm. to call the suicide prevention helpline, even if you are in need to have help. So it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to listen to her, her story and to hear her growth, but Mm. also her groundedness and being able to talk openly about it, to encourage another person to get to that point if they are going to be in a crisis. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What drives you? What drives me? Mm. I would say my passion and love for what I do to stimulate my mindset every single day drives me to have Mm. wonderful conversations with people and just to get to know society in a bigger, better way. I really do. I love storytelling. I love people. (laughs) I think every single person has a purpose on this planet And it's really what drives me every single day. And the beauty of what I get to do professionally here today is to talk about people's stories in a way of being able to showcase that it's okay to struggle and that we all go through it. We do. You know, I just recently made my directorial debut. Uh, Yes, I'm so proud. I'm having like the best week ever. I had a miniseries come out, Ah, keeping up with the Joneses that I produced and starred in. And then I made my directorial debut where I went behind the camera and it was called Through Her Eyes. Mm. And it was dealing with mental health and 
homelessness. And it was the story of a young psych, uh, psychiatrist, psychology student who basically took a, a, a liking to this homeless woman. And anyway, to make it uh, condensed into a nutshell, it was because the woman ended up being her mother. Mm-hmm. Her mother had given her away because mentally she just cracked under the pressure of stress. But the reason why she really gave her up more than anything else was because, you know, the pressures of society to be perfect, to get the right grades, to do this. I mean, you know, so much pressure is just put on us to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, she ended up having bipolar disorder and all of those things. But the beauty in the whole piece that everybody loved was that here was this young girl that was like, I won't lose you again. It's okay for us to say something's wrong, wrong with us as women, and I'm going to do it with you. Mm-hmm. And so she took her, you know, to a psychologist and I just loved like the messages that it put out there that we as women, that it's okay for us to stick together, that it's okay for us to say something is, everything's not okay. And that's what I kind of feel with, you know, your, your your podcast, that it's helping women to say it's okay for us to talk about it and say, yeah, things aren't okay today, you yeah. know? Yeah. And sometimes there's, you know, we forget at such a young age, uh, you know, that we're taught not to feel in some capacity. Mm. You know, we're told to say, if you're angry, that's bad. If you're sad, that's bad. If you're, you know, if you're happy in a time that you shouldn't be happy, that's bad. It's like, you know, you're, you're told all these things of how to navigate your emotions. Yet when something mm. arises at such a young age, you get confused and frustrated because you're like, yes. I don't know how to navigate these emotions. Now they're being stuck inside me and I have nowhere to put them. What else do you think is going to come besides anxiety? You know, so it's about being able to understand that there's this beauty and being able to speak openly to your friends. And then if you don't have friends or peers or loved ones that you feel comfortable enough to go to, there's an online community with open arms waiting to hear from you. And that is the beauty of social media here today. There is people out there that want to be able to encourage you to say that being vulnerable doesn't make you less than it makes you more than being able to be self-aware and to accept what is going on emotionally within your wheelhouse Mm -hmm. is a beautiful thing because it only allows you then to not be fearful of it and instead feel like you have the control to walk alongside it and to know that you can still live a beautiful, successful life. Even if you deal with bipolar disorder, Mm -hmm. depression, anxiety, that is okay. We are trying to break stigmas in which a stigma is telling you that it's not okay. The stigma is where it comes in with a lack of knowledge behind Mm. these disorders because the lack of knowledge then makes people think that they're fearful of what somebody may be going through because they don't know or have not seen it enough or talked about it enough. When we start to storytell it through even just our personal lives or on film and TV, and we talk about life situations that are embodying real people, it allows people to start to identify with it and go, oh, I'm familiar with this. I'm not fearful to have somebody speak about it to me, nor am I fearful to speak about it to them. And there's such an importance in being able to talk about it. You need to talk about things that you're going through to be able to make sure one doesn't become a crisis, but two, it allows you to feel validated in those emotions and feelings because every single person should be able to validate the pain that they're going through while they're processing it. Can I tell you like, you know, me starting off as a young actress years ago and now where things are at, it's like, we want to spread the message to 
all of our wonderful fans out there that it's okay if you're not perfect. Mm. No one's perfect. It's okay to have flaws. It's okay to speak up and say, I'm feeling this way today. You don't have to be perfect. Yes, you can have it all, but you can have it all within your flaws as well too. So I just got, got one more question for you. How have you hustled to become the amazing woman that you are today? I feel like hustling is a part of my life. Uh, hustling. I wear so many different hats because of the hustle. Uh, no, I think that hustling really comes from the love and respect that I have for myself mm. and the belief that I have in me. And even on my down days, I'm connected to who Haley is, the yes. good that I know that she is without shame of saying it, because I think that's also another thing as we feel shameful sometimes to talk ourselves up in front of others. And we shouldn't. We should be able to say, I am beautiful. I am. I'm smart. I'm valued without feeling shame towards the other person that, that's listening to it or feel bad. You know, when someone says, oh, you're so beautiful and you say thank you rather than saying, oh, you are too. It's this automatic thing that we have that kind of conversation. I think it's really important that we are able to validate ourselves and to be able to do it without shame. So I think that that has been a really big part of my hustle is uh-huh. knowing knowing my worth for my own self and for nobody else. I love it. Well, that leads us perfectly into today's hustle hack. Today's hustle hack is hashtag redefine you HH. <laughs> As a beautiful Haley Hasselhoff just said, self-acceptance is the key to being at one with oneself. It's okay to ask for help. We're all accustomed to saying everything's fine. I'm good. I got this. No, darling, you have got to learn that if you need help, that you are not alone, that it's okay to ask for help. Ask a friend, hey, can I get a few minutes? Need to holler at you for a minute. You know what I'm saying? Problems happen, things happen, especially in our crazy world that we're trying to push through COVID. It's okay to ask for help. Redefine you. It's okay, baby. We're going to make it through this together. I want to thank my beautiful and kind guest, Haley Hasselhoff. Where can folks find you on social media, girlfriend? You can head over to all of my socials at hhasselhoff or go to hhasselhoff.com. But most importantly, head over to your favorite podcast platform and go over, subscribe, download to Redefine You, a conversation for well-being. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on Hustling with Vivica A. Fox. Darlings, tell your friends that they can follow your girl at Miss Vivica Fox on Twitter, at Miss V Fox on Instagram, and at Stage 29 Podcast 2. So don't forget to subscribe, review, download, and listen to Hustling with Vivica A. Fox, available on Apple Podcasts, or whatever you want to listen. Until next time, darling. Bye for now. This has been a Stage 29 podcast production. The podcast is executive produced by Patty Chiano, Laferne Cusack, and Stephanie Kaysen. Our audio editors are Jackson Ruff and Jonathan DeMatty. Callie Kelts is the social media producer. And a special thanks to the rest of our podcast crew, Rwani Horinige, William Cusack, Lisa Clark, Katie Brown, and Morgan Kaler. The Hustling with Vivica A. Fox podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional medical, financial, 
legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during the podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional.